Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Journey to Success Radio, a show featuring people and companies who are making a positive contribution to the world. This show will help you learn how to apply success principles in every area of your life so that you can make the most out of your skills and talents and accomplish more of your goals. To find out more about the show, please visit www.journeytosuccessradio.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Journey to Success Radio. My name is Tom Tutal Cunningham. I'm a Napoleon Hill Foundation certified instructor and resiliency expert. I'm also the creator of the Journeys to Success book series. And our guest today is going to be a contributor to Volume 5 coming out in a couple of months. And uh, so I'm looking forward to finding out more about him. His name is, uh, tell me again, Santosh or Santosh? Santos Krinsky. Santos Krinsky. So he's been involved in the natural products industry since 1974. One of my favorite industries. He's an entrepreneur. He's founded several companies and has acquired several others over the years. Uh, you can see that when you go on his website. He's involved in a number of great businesses. Three primary companies of which he's the president is Lotus Light Natural Body Care, which is a wholesale distribution company founded in 1981. Lotus Brands, which is a brand manufacturer, and he also has Lotus Press Imprint, which is a publisher of natural health and wellness products and health, wellness, and spiritual books. And New Leaf Distributing Company, the largest dedicated wholesale distributor of metaphysical, new age, and alternative health books with over 35,000 titles. Together, these three operating companies employ over 125 individuals. He's also a published author with 10 books in the field of philosophy and spirituality, and he writes a daily blog on spirituality as well. He's the president of the Institute for Holistic Education, which is a nonprofit educational and spiritual institution based in Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you, and thank you for the invitation. Uh, what an interesting and diverse range of companies that uh, you're looking after and all in fields that I am passionate about are like as well. Natural products, uh, publishing, and uh, the body care as well. So we'll have a lot to talk about. And the, the fact that you publish like over 35,000 titles for me, who's published uh, like five, that's pretty motivating for you. So let's start off by finding out, because I'm a Napoleon Hill instructor and uh, I talk about the success principles of Napoleon Hill, let's find out what motivates you or what's your burning desire or as napoleon hill sometimes calls it as well your definite purpose what motivates your efforts in business well i think that uh i'm most concerned about the 
uh, development of consciousness on the planet and our ability as a species to survive and create a harmony with the other species who inhabit the planet together. And to me, business uh, started as more or less a, a, an afterthought, if you will, uh, not so much about how am I going to provide for myself, but more how can I uh, develop these concepts, ideas, and principles into a form that uh, can have a positive impact on uh, society. Wow. You're speaking a few languages I love there. The purpose of Journey to Success Radio is to interview people who are people and companies who are making a positive contribution to the world. And that seems to be your desire. And uh, when you follow your desire and your passion, money soon follows because you're not focused on the money. You're focused on helping other people. And then you wrote, spoke about harmony as well. And uh, the number two most important success principle Hill wrote about was the mastermind principle. And throughout that, he always talks about perfect harmony. And you're so right. If we, if if our planet could live in harmony, not if it could, it could, but we need to change the consciousness of people to realize that. And that's difficult to do, but all we can do is look after ourselves and spread the message to other people. So that's a really great motivation for for business how did you come upon that did it come upon you when you were young did you find this purpose or burning desire or did it take a number of years of uh not so fulfilling endeavors to find your real niche in life actually it came before i entered into any career at all um, i was in college at the time and for various uh reasons I don't know why I experienced a near-death experience Wow! and uh, when I came out of that experience I suddenly realized that you know there was some greater purpose than uh, having a career and so um, I dropped out of college <laughs> went to Europe uh, and started studying yoga about which I frankly had not had any knowledge or interest prior to that <laughs> but the in the experience uh it was given to me that uh, i should study yoga so i picked up yoga books went to europe and started studying there um earning whatever money i could along the way uh washing dishes bussing tables whatever mm -hmm. it took and uh eventually i came to realize that life has a, a deeper meaning and purpose and that uh, I should try to do something to uh, forward that purpose. And so as my studies developed, I traveled to India, among other places, and met people who were integrating their lives in a very meaningful way uh, by living a life of principle and at the same time uh, conducting themselves successfully in the world. So when I came back to the United States, I started a business um, and started uh, trying to distribute various products and books that I felt would be of value. And uh, that one thing led to the other, and here we are. Wow. Wow. It's nice that you had that uh, revelation or the near-death experience when you were young. So many people 
even that I coach there later on in life and they still really don't know what their purpose or their burning desire is and so when you discover it early in life you really get a chance for a long period of time to to follow that purpose and that passion uh, and so talking about that uh, uh, when I interview a lot of people uh, a lot of times they say when they started out with their ideas or their passion or their burning desire uh, they didn't always get positive feedback from, let's say, their parents, their family, and friends. Uh, did you uh, come across that when you were starting out, or were your parents and friends all sure that you can do it and cheering you on? Well, it was a mixed situation. Um, when I started, actually, the first business after returning from India, uh, I wound up having to do it weekends and evenings. Uh, simply because I had to have a full-time job uh, mm -hmm. as a file clerk and a typist for most of that time. Uh, the business obviously couldn't support itself. It was a, a very small enterprise with no capital. And I have to say my parents were not very supportive. Uh, uh, actually, when I first told them I was interested in finding a deeper meaning in life and maybe going to India, they suggested the real solution was that I should go see a psychiatrist. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> and your friends, were they uh, of a similar mindset? Actually, um, the friends I had acquired along the way uh, were very supportive. Nice. And they understood and appreciated it. I think, you know, as people's interest in life changes and you begin to associate with uh, people of like mind, uh, your friend groups change to a great degree. And I have to say, I didn't carry a lot of friends forward. I have a few from the days of high school still, but for the most part, I've made friends along the way in this process uh, right from the beginning. And now, you know, with 40 years or more in the health food industry, certainly in that industry itself. Wow, you're uh, speaking my language, and it's so true, and it's, uh, you know, what you need to teach if you're teaching success principles is the people that are your friends. If you have a burning desire and a passion for something, you're going to attract like-minded people. Somehow, uh, Napoleon Hill calls it thought by thought vibration. So your thoughts go out and your subconscious goes out into the universe and finds the people that are in harmony with what your desire and your motivations and what you want to do. And, and those change over the years, for sure. Like some of the friends you have when you're young, you have because of just circumstances. You go to school with them or you live in the neighborhood. But once you really know your passion and your burning desire and how you want to contribute to the world, somehow the universe goes out and finds those people to surround you with. And doesn't that make it a lot of fun, right? When you have like-minded people that you can bounce ideas off and work with. You know, I've been blessed over the years with finding people all over the world who care about the concerns and issues and uh, situations that we as a species on this planet are confronted with, and uh, regardless of whether they are interested in one particular path, practice, or religion, or another, uh, 
I found a lot of sympathy and goodwill and friendship uh, in unexpected places. <laughs> and that's kind of the idea of behind what you you want to do and what your purpose is in life, is that we may be different colors, different countries, different cultures, different languages, but uh, if we can find common ground and all contribute in some way to make the world a better place, then those differences fade into the background and the the purpose of helping other people becomes at the forefront and then we all become brothers helping each other, right? Brothers and sisters. Absolutely. Now, uh, you mentioned your near-death experience. That's a big turning point. Have you had some other turning points that help you and your business uh, get to where they are today? Well, I think the, the time I spent in India back in 1973 and early 1974 was clearly a turning point for me because uh, I met there a number of people who were very successful in their fields of, of activity, whether it was education or engineering or science or uh, various business enterprises, whatever it might be, uh, they had found a way to carry out that deeper purpose in their everyday lives and interface with people from a new perspective, a perspective of harmony. And, uh, you know, being a very young person and at that point, you know, searching for a direction, uh, I have to say I was very positively impressed by that. <laughs> and came back from India uh, charged up, ready to do whatever it is my destiny was going to turn out to be, which wound up being business, although I had never planned on that. <laughs> Isn't it funny when our, sometimes when our purpose or, or desire is revealed to us why we're here, we're like, I don't want that one. I want this one. Or like, I never even thought of that one. How come I'm being guided this way? But in the end, it's better to know that than struggle all those years trying to find your own purpose. Uh, that's like maybe a different minded focus than really what your focus should be. So what a what a blessing to have that come to you. And now another thing, you all those businesses, they're family businesses. And especially in publishing and distribution, you're competing against billion-dollar, multi-billion-dollar, probably Fortune 500-type multinational companies. How do you compete and succeed in a world of uh, companies that large? You know, from a basic business structure, I have to say it is very, very difficult. Um, I sometimes liken it to the analogy that if human beings lived in the time of dinosaurs, um, we have to use intelligence so that we don't get stepped on by those behemoths. <laughs> and we pretty much as companies uh, have to really stick to our core mission and competency and do things that really speak to that and not try to uh, simply compete toe-to-toe -to -toe with a multi-billion dollar company. Uh, that just doesn't work. They can essentially out outgun you and outspend you and do everything. Uh, uh, the only thing you can do is find the right 
products and principles of action that gathers, as you were talking about earlier, like-minded people to say, I support that. Right. And they become your customer base. And then you have to set your business aspirations within the framework of growing it slowly as people find it and get involved in it. It's what I call organic growth as opposed to the use of artificial fertilizers. <laughs> and you use a cool phrase there, I support that. And so <clears throat> as you gather those like-minded people, they don't just become uh, customers, not like years ago when you were just a customer of a store. Now in this day and age with technology and people doing business around the world, <clears throat> you can support a company by purchasing their products. And a lot of times people buy from their heart to support a company as a almost first reason and then also because they got great products and so when you develop those like-minded communities and people uh they will support that as you said i support that hey i like what he's doing let me uh, see what products he has that i could benefit from and that i can buy from him to help myself and to support uh, his business and isn't that a isn't that do you find that as a kind of a business model in this day and age that uh it's uh, different than 30 or 40 years ago when you didn't really care about the heart of a company. You just cared what the price was and where you could buy it. I think that's true. And, and our, our mission in terms of products that we develop or books that we publish or distribute um, is really focused on providing people with alternatives to a lot of the commercial products that are not always environmentally sound, some of which have chemicals in them that uh, have been shown to be, you know, somewhat harmful to people, right. and based on concepts that are really destructive to the planet. And what, what we try to do is provide alternatives to that. And we find that people who care about that, look at that, we want to have great products that do what they say they're going to do and that do it with heart, compassion, and goodwill for everybody, all of our stakeholders. And we look upon stakeholders as being our vendors, our staff, our uh, lenders, our customers, uh, everybody up and down the, the relationship. Uh, needs to be cared for and related to right. and their needs met. And, <clears throat> and when we do that, then we succeed. And if we fail to do that in some way, then we obviously set ourselves up for failure. Right, right, exactly. And if you do it the whole way, even with fair trade and, and right from the vendor end to the customer end, the employees, and if you do what's right and good, for them and for the planet, uh, you're always going to benefit. There are companies that don't do it for the planet or for any of those other reasons and make a lot of money. But I think uh, to leave a legacy and sleep at night, uh, if you can do it by, while being good to all of your stakeholders and the planet and the world, uh, I think that that creates a better legacy than just making a ton of money as a business. Now, here's a question that I come across and. 
you know, it's challenging me. I'm not like a millennial. I'm 53. So I see all these changes in technology and business development in the marketplace. And, you know, I get good at one. And then like now there's six new ones I got to learn. Uh, what challenges do you face today, especially in your different businesses uh, with the, the, all the new technology and business development? And how do you address those? Because they're so numerous and frequent. It's often, I find it often hard just to keep up. Well, it is. Uh, this is a serious challenge that all small businesses actually are facing. And on the one side, um, we try to continue to do the right things in the right way um, and let the chips fall where they may to some degree. But we do have to be cognizant of new ways of doing business and new streams of technology. Um, you know, back in 2002, we were approached by New Leaf. Uh, and they said, look, our longtime leader has died of a lingering terminal illness. Uh, we're about to file for bankruptcy, unless, of course, you want to buy our company. <laughs> and so <laughs> my wife and I looked at it and said, you know, they're distributing, they're the major distributor of alternative health and wellness and metaphysical literature in the country. Uh, that would leave a huge hole and it would harm a lot of small publishers on one side and a lot of stores that depended on them the other side. So we stepped up and bought the company. And when we did that, we found out that they were based on a business model and with software that was obsolete. And so we've spent the last 13 years uh, putting in a new software platform, developing uh, websites for them, uh, developing new customer bases that related to the changes in the way books and products are sold in this country. And at the same time, a lot of the older customers, you know, the small companies, a lot of them in the meantime disappeared. And so if we had just stayed with their customer base and their way of doing things, New Leaf would have disappeared 10 or 11 years ago. Uh, and in the meantime, we're still sort of working through those challenges. Um, we try to hire people who uh, have a finger on the pulse of where things are going. We have uh, one person in our company whose entire job basically is understanding and relating to how to use and apply social media, which mm. is something that's developed over the last few years as a major form of communication between companies and their customers. And so his job is to discover what are the platforms that are being used, how do we interface to it, and what kind of uh, messages and information we put out, what kind of relationship we develop there. Uh, and that's a full-time job for him. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. And it reminds me of Andrew Carnegie. Andrew Carnegie would today, I think, be the third or fourth wealthiest person of all time in the, his ginormous steel business. But he said numerous times he knew nothing about uh, how to make steel. He said he just hired the best people in every area that he needed help with, paid them well. And he said he, that was what he called his mastermind group, and they worked in perfect harmony. There was one guy he hired, best in the world. I forget what country he brought him in from. 
but he didn't have harmony with the group and he had to let the guy go because he insisted on perfect harmony. But sounds like that might be how you operate as well. You're getting the best people or good people in each of these areas that can examine these things for you and uh, in the end report back so that you don't have to learn 19 different things. You just have to uh, have people that can learn those 19 things and advise you on which uh, maybe might be the best choice for your business. And that's actually the way we've built our businesses over the years. Uh, we have a number of people who've been with us between 15 and 25 years or more. Wow. Uh, and, you know, these people are very good at what they do, and my job is to stay out of their way. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I always tell people that uh, uh, I feel sometimes like a fifth wheel in my own company because uh, I can't do all the different things. I mean, it's such a complex set of enterprises with so many moving parts. I don't think any person could actually do all of that stuff and certainly not manage something of this scale. So my job is to find and hire the right people and to build systems and protocols and relationships that work, that are maintaining that harmony that you speak about, and at the same time to motivate the entire organization to carry out the principles that we started out the conversation with. Right. And so uh, I continue to try to motivate and create and maintain a harmonious uh, group of people and encourage everybody to work together for a larger goal and a larger purpose. Uh, and then we obviously try to compensate people fairly and give people incentive for growing and taking on new things over time. Right, right. And uh, uh, the, the number two most important principle Hill wrote about was the Mastermind Alliance. And what Hill wrote is specifically about uh, Henry Ford and Thomas Edison and, and wrote that the best mastermind partnership is between husband and wife. If not, not always can you do it. But you mentioned earlier your wife and you consulted her about the business. Sounds like maybe she might be in your mastermind group. And doesn't that make it uh, a lot nicer, more pleasant and easy when your wife is in your mastermind group and you're both uh, kind of running and making decisions together? Is that Do you find that in your marriage as well? You know, the greatest blessing in my life was... Uh, the opportunity to partner with uh, Karuna, my wife. Uh, she and I have worked together uh, since 1978, and uh, we're very close. Uh, we discuss all the major things, although we have different uh, core competencies, if you will, and different activities that we focus on. Mm -hmm. uh, the basic principles and the large decisions are always made together. And uh, I really honor that and believe that that's an essential portion of how to succeed. Sometimes, uh, you know, husbands and wives have different goals or motives about what their lives are about, and that breeds conflict. 
right. but in this case, we're aligned in our purpose, uh, in what we want to accomplish in our uh, view of financial uh, safety and requirements, et cetera. I mean, we're, we're really aligned on that. We've together signed a mission statement for our nice. children to take over what we've started here, and they've signed that they agree to continue it as part of our transition planning. Wow, cool, cool. So nice to work on a mission statement with your wife, and what a blessing, as you said, 1978. Like, uh, try and do that quick math in my head, but that's a long time. And when you can have your wife as your mastermind partner, uh, not only it expands your topics of conversation, uh, for one, but it really makes business a lot more exciting when you can share it and talk back and forth and you have a similar purpose. And you talk about money things as well, part of that. And hey, you got to have that as part of your purpose. But it sounds like your heart is more your purpose than the financial objectives for both of you. Well, that's certainly true. Yet uh, at the same time, I want people to understand that uh, I don't think you need to sacrifice the ability to survive comfortably in the world while doing positive things. I think that the two go together. If you do positive things and you use intelligence in organizing it, that the financial affairs tend to work themselves out. And, you know, some people go to one extreme and say, I have to earn a lot of money, and they forget about principles and, and goals right. of that sort. And other people say, well, I have to carry out my goals and principles and, uh, you know, <laughs> they end up in the they, poorhouse. They get so crazy that they wind up essentially undercapitalized and bankrupt. Right. And so neither of them are creating the harmonious uh, interrelationship between action and result that can be achieved with goodwill, patience, and understanding. Right. And I think of Zig Ziglar's uh, most well-known quote, you can have everything in life you want if you help enough other people get what they want. And your businesses are doing that. And then so you get to benefit as well. And hey, God gave us all skills, talents, and abilities. And he put us, you and I, in first world countries. Four out of ten people in the world live on less than $2 a day. So I expect that God would want us to make as much money as we can with our skills, talents, and abilities and ethics so that we can contribute to helping other people. But if you help enough other people, you will be well rewarded or richly rewarded, and there's no challenge with that. So you got both ends of that spectrum correct about helping other people, and at the same time, you help enough other people. Uh, there should be no... Uh, uh, regret or anything about um, earning a good and sufficient and nice living as well. And a number of people I've interviewed were brought up with the thought pattern that rich people are crooks. And so that really, uh, that really challenges them when they go to pursue their own purpose and desires and goals because they have that mindset and so that's a challenging one as well now you have a uh, <laughs> just from the introduction you have obviously a wide variety of different businesses and they're they each have kind of different functions and models 
what caused you to get involved in so many directions? Like, I have a hard time just keeping my own personal branding going. How do you keep them focused? And and of your 60,000 thoughts a day, do having those many different businesses represent a distraction? You know, it really could. Uh, some people would say that I just have attention deficit disorder. <laughs> I don't think so. Um, I have a wide and diverse series of interests. And actually, I think a good deal of attention deficit disorder is simply uh, people not understanding the diversity of the mind and the heart and the different parts of the being that all need to find fulfillment. And so uh, I embrace the diversity and at the same time, I try to make the different businesses uh, help out each other. I mean, the manufacturing and publishing arm uh, sells products to the wholesale distributor of products on one side and the wholesale distributor of books on the other uh, so that there is you know, some synergy that occurs there. And mainly, I've tried to modularize everything and have separate management and people who care about those businesses, running each of those businesses and their major departments. And basically they report to me, but it's like I hear from uh, one group of managers daily. I hear from another group of managers maybe once a week and another group once a month, uh, depending on you know how autonomous they are and what they're trying to accomplish. Uh, I can't say that I put 100% of my thoughts into running businesses because I don't. Uh, I'm an active author and writer, and my wife and I uh, try to stay fit. We go uh, hiking quite a bit, and we're out in the wilderness. Uh, and I think that the diversity of the businesses means I don't get stale. They each mm-hmm. uh, give me. Uh, new things to think about and then to apply across the modules, if you will. Right, right, right. I like that. I like that. And because you are involved with fitness and and outside of business, it's nice to be able to do that so at least you can not be maniacally focused all the time with your thoughts on on business. And sometimes that's what I have a a challenge with, you know, is I think about business a lot. And so it's nice to have those other areas of your life. And I love about the fitness part. Uh, If you're not in shape, uh, hey, I have rheumatoid arthritis. I've had it since I'm five. I have four hips, four knees, and two shoulders replaced. But I exercise regularly and I'm quite good shape. And so if you aren't in good shape, you're not going to get the most out of your skills, talents, and abilities and do the best you can with your life. So that's very important that even though you're busy with so many different businesses, you do take the time out to pursue the things that are important to you. I like the idea of your mission statement with your kids. Uh, uh, that's a great uh, a great thing to do. And uh, not always do uh, kids want to take over our uh, their parents' business uh, afterwards, and so did they always want to? Was that uh, did it take some time for them to understand that, or were they always like, yeah, when we love what you're doing and we want to help continue it after you're uh, you decide to leave? Well, actually, I don't know that that's exactly what they're thinking of doing. <laughs> one of my one of my two daughters is married and lives uh, in another state, and she's got her own life and career. 
and friend circle there, and she's of obvious goodwill, but she's not involved in the business. The other one is involved in the business, uh, but at a supervisory or department management level, uh, I'm not sure she would ever take over the whole business and operate it. I mean, that's probably far more commitment than she'd be ready to make today at her age and where she is in her life. Uh, she's also got a young son that she's raising, and you know she's she's got a, a very busy life of her own. Uh, what the mission statement was about was that they would continue to support the mission, uh, and we've put in place, as I mentioned earlier, management teams for each of the companies and departments, along with protocols, procedures, and principles. And so their job wouldn't necessarily be to take over and run this complex of companies, but simply to bless the continuance of it rather than, you know, selling out or right. uh, disbanding or doing any of those things, which they could do if they inherit it, uh, and allow the people who are running these businesses to continue to run them. Wow. That's a great way of doing it. Keep the heart and the ethics and the purpose running in the business, but still just put the best people in place who want to do it. And that's the best combination of both worlds there. Your family will be there to ensure that you and your wife's values and ethics and morals and processes and systems stay there. Um, but as we spoke about earlier, it's best to get the best people uh, to to do the various parts of a business to ensure that it grows and runs properly. So, uh, what a great way to what a great way to do it. At least keep the heart and soul of the company, uh, and uh, make sure you still keep the best people after you decide to leave. That's for sure going to be a model for success. And I should mention one other thing in relation to the children is that uh, when they were young, we actually homeschooled them. Yeah but we made an arrangement with the local school district that they could audit classes in areas that were outside our expertise, uh, such as the science class or the music class. Uh, they actually, we inserted them in the school for certain subjects so they would get the benefit wow. of the education while at the same time, building the broader picture of how they would look at issues and events and affairs, learning how to think, learning how to understand, nice. how, how to critically review what they're reading, what they're seeing, what they're hearing, and how to make good decisions, hopefully. Uh, and so I think that went a long way into helping us create and get their support for the mission statement because we put a lot of time and energy into helping them get uh, a foundation for their lives. They each went on and uh, graduated from some respective colleges, and they each have their own direction and career. Wow. And what a great way to do it, because I would have loved to do that too, to steer the direction and the thinking. But hey, if I had to teach geography or history, like, Boy, my kid's not going to get very far in life. So what a great way to do it. And still the thinking values that you and your wife had. But at the same time, if it's a topic that you wouldn't be great at teaching, why not bring them to the school and expose them to 
the great teachers uh, who can teach those subjects that you're not so keen on teaching. Did you encounter any uh, challenges doing that? Did the school board like, hey, you're in or you're out? You can't be part-time in and part-time out? Uh, because I don't imagine that many people have tried that before. Well, actually, in this, in, we started in elementary school, and the first school we went to uh, were a little quizzical about the whole idea. And so we went and met with the school administrator, and we said, look, we see the following challenges facing humanity in the future. And we outlined harmony, uh, equity of resource allocation, the environment, and creating balance. And we said, if you can assure me that your school and your subject area and your focus is bent on meeting the challenges of the future rather than inculcating the mistakes of the past, <laughs> we will let the children be 100% under your uh, tutelage. But if you Ooh. cannot honestly make that statement, then why not try the experiment with us and see if they turn out okay? Wow. And they agreed. And so we went through elementary school. Uh, one child went all the way through high school uh, that way. And she never had a high school degree. And when we got her to college, it was, we wrote to the college and said, are you prepared to accept someone without a high school degree? Uh, because she's got, you know, she took all the tests. She, she meets all the test criteria that you need, the ACTs or whatever they call them, uh, SATs. And so she's, she's got the grounding. And they said, well, okay, we can do that. We need to interview her. And when they interviewed her, the guy came out after the interview and said, I asked her a question and I got an answer back that I had never had before. And I was really surprised. And I said, well, what was the question? He said, I asked her, what is the biggest problem facing the United States today? And her answer was, I really don't think much about the United States on its own. I'm concerned about the issues of the whole world together, of which the United States is a part. Wow! Wow! And at that moment, I knew she got into that college. Right, right. And she got approval a couple of weeks later. Wow, that's the answer of a very wise old soul. And I don't think many people would have come up with a brilliant one like that. Wow, good for her. And the second child came to us and said, she was halfway through like high school, about two years in, and she said, you know, I really want to develop friends and relationships in the school, and I want to go full-time to high school. So we went in and interviewed with the high school, and we laid her course curricula and syllabus in front of them and the work she'd done, some of the papers she'd written. And we said, why don't you match this up to your courses and see how much credit you're willing to give her to get a high school diploma. And they looked at it and said, you know, she's basically completed it all, but, you know, we'll let her in, we'll give her all this credit, and she'll just graduate as normal in two years. And so that's what happened. Wow. Wow. What a interesting education, and you're really making your kids like children of the world, not just 
being able to repeat something they memorize. So this is a way more broad education than most uh, children get. And uh, what an amazing thing for you to uh, follow through on what you knew was right for your kids. So congratulations. Wow. Hey, I got all the way through this and I didn't even give your website. My goodness, give a few of the webs. <laughs> you got so many. Give a few of the more important ones that you'd want to direct people to. Sure. Uh, one of them is lotusbrands.com. Uh, another one is lotuslight.com, and that's L-O-T-U-S-L-I-G-H-T.com. And a third one is lotuspress.com. Uh, and the fourth one is newleaf-dist.com. Excellent. I should have done that earlier in the show <laughs> so that people could uh, remember it, but uh, very good. So thanks so much, uh, Santosh, for your time today. Uh, what an interesting person you are, interesting businesses you run, and uh, uh, I'm very fascinated with both yourself and your companies. I know you're going to continue to do well and that uh, with the mission statement you have in place, uh, your businesses are just going to continue to contribute to the world and grow. Uh, thanks so much for your time today. Uh, you really put a smile on my face, and I feel like I've, uh, as we talked about earlier in the show, you attract the people to you who are of a similar mindset, and I think we've done that, and it's always great to know someone else who's making a positive contribution to the world. Tom, it is such a pleasure. I want to thank you for reaching out to us. Have an amazing day. Take care. Thank you for listening to this episode of Journey to Success Radio. If you or anyone you know would like to be interviewed for the show, email Tom at TomTooTall.com for details. have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Oh, 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 O'Reilly! You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, oh, oh! 